0: I'm Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for episode number 10 of the Jesus Society podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 10. We've got 10, this is a milestone, 10 episodes. One of these days, I hope that we'll, um, we'll be saying we're at, the, at episode 100. Um, 90 more to go, 90 more to go. Um. Hope everybody's doing okay. Um, we are. Uh, uh, I guess uh, coming out of the of the coronavirus, uh, at least the worst of it. Uh, so, uh, so the news reports tell us. Um, although in my county, um, uh, we're. It seems like we we live out in the country, right? So we're, our county is just now starting to really ramp up. So. Um, a lot of places are, are starting to wind down, and we're still growing. So, so there's that. But um, you know, we're doing okay here. We're uh, I've got my garden started. I've uh, I'm sitting here in my office looking at. Uh, I've got a, about a dozen tomato plants uh, over there under some grow lights that I started um, about almost a month ago, and they'll be ready to put in the ground soon. I, I like. I like growing things. I have, ever since I was a kid, um, I liked planting trees. I liked watching things grow. I didn't always like, um, my dad always made us work in the garden and I didn't always enjoy that. Um, when he made us do it, (laughs) but now I, I sort of enjoy working in my own garden. So, so I've got that, that going on. Um, spring is spring is sprung. It's a, here in Tennessee, it's a slow spring, which I like. Um, last year, it was; it seemed to get hot and dry uh, early, um, but I always like spring to linger. Spring's a pretty time. So anyway, so uh, we're here today, and uh, we've got some, I think, some cool stuff to talk about. So we've uh, we've talked about how in the kingdom of God that Jesus inaugurates in the New Testament, God is restoring Israel, and that will include, of course, all those who align themselves with Israel's new king and follow him, which is King Jesus, right? And she is now, uh, this new Israel, restored Israel, is to be God's representative people on earth, uh, mediating God's love and peace to the world around us, uh, being a, a light to the nations, and inviting people to taste and see that the Lord is good and to live in fellowship with with God and with his people. So in light of all that, when that and that's sort of where we've where we've been in this podcast so far. I want to start this week with a with a question. And that is so what what gives God any hope at all that his kingdom people who are who are also called the church will do any better job of living His kingdom vision and being a light to the world than Israel did? Good question, right? Um, I mean, let's face it. We, we're 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 going to be honest in this podcast. Um, the church doesn't always hasn't always done a great job uh, with that. Right, like we, we've got some dark marks too. Um, we had the Crusades, right? Um, we've had all all sorts of things. If you look back through church history, we've had a, a number of embarrassing moments where we have failed, epically at times. Um, we have we have sex abuse scandals in the church that we didn't used to have, um, or maybe we did. Um, so so what, what gives God any hope that this is going to work out any better than it did for Israel? Well, one really good answer is that we have something Israel didn't have. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So what does the Holy Spirit actually do within us? that helps us become who God wants us to be in the world. That's what we're going to talk about today, okay? So if if we are going to be uh, the agents of of blessing and redemption that the world, in the world, that God wants us to be, uh, a kingdom of priests, God's ambassadors, we're going to have to be different people than we are, right? Because we have all been twisted and broken by the world around us to a greater or lesser degree, okay? Um, the, we, we, the world is full of corruption and decay, and we, we've gotten some of that on us, right? Uh, we're all products of that. And so if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to be the people of God, we're going to have to be changed. We're going to have to be transformed. And this is not really a secret In the Bible, okay? Um, For example, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 20 through 24, Paul will say, but that is not how you came to know Christ. Okay? Or, yeah. Um, Take off your former way of life, he'll say. The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Okay. Um, We've, we've got to get the, the, the stink of the world off us, so to speak, and put on some new clothes. All right. We have to, we have to smell a little less like the world and smell a little more like Jesus because Jesus is winsome. He's, attractive. Um, we, we're not always. So we've got to be different people. There's, there's no way we can discuss this thinking that, we're, that we don't have to change, right? Um, Paul will say in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he'll say, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God... I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true worship. And he says, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Okay? So how does the spirit actually help with that? Like, what does that, how does it work? What does it look like, right? How do we, I think most of us, if we're, if we're Christians, if we're, like, we're trying, right? And we want to be better people. We, we realize what, our, what, our, what the chinks are in our armor. We realize our own flaws. We realize our own weaknesses. We, we know we, we're not what we want to be. Um, every single one of us. God gives us his spirit to help with that. But how does that work, right? And why does it sometimes seem like I'm not getting as better as I'd want to be, right? Well, so there's a a really helpful passage, I think, in the book of Ezekiel uh, 36, verses 25 through 27. Uh, Very interesting passage. It's one of those restoration of Israel passages that we've talked about. And it's one of the earliest references uh, in the Bible to God actually placing his spirit inside man. And here's what it says. And remember, this is in context of uh, God's going to do a new thing in Israel, right? He says, uh, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinance. So according to God the giving of His Spirit uh, to us will, will cause us to keep the law. Okay? And the law, so what is the law? Um, re- remember now, as we've come to understand, what is the law? As summarized by Jesus, what is the law? Okay? Two things. Loving God and loving neighbor. Right? So the Spirit is going to help us to keep God's law by helping us to love God and love our neighbor more and better. In the New Testament, Paul will say in Romans eight twelve through 14, he'll say, so then, brothers and sisters, we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit, by the Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. So, so the point here, I think, is that um, the Spirit is going to help because. Um, the Spirit is going to change our chooser. Uh, that's the way I like to say it. The Spirit, because uh, our problem is our chooser, right? The, the part within us that that consistently, perniciously chooses the wrong things, the wrong attitudes, the wrong habits, the wrong uh, actions, right? We've got a broken chooser. We choose things, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, Right? We choose things because we think they look good or we think it's going to, right? We, we, we just oftentimes very selfishly. The Spirit's job is to change our chooser. He changes our, our will. That is what He wants to do within us, to, to move our hearts and our wills into alignment with God's. But here's the thing. Okay, and we cannot miss this. The, the spirit within us isn't going to force that on us, right? Um, I, it just isn't. This is, not a, this, this is not a reprogramming in the sense of um, we're just going to give you new firmware and now you're going to just totally behave different whether you want to or not. This isn't, that's not the way this works. Um, we can resist the spirit First uh, Thessalonians 5:19 will say don't quench the spirit so the, the spirit can be quenched the spirit can be grieved um, in Acts chapter 7 verse 51 uh, Stephen will say to this this group of Jewish leaders that are about to stone him to death he, he will say that you are always resisting the Holy Spirit okay so, so this is not automatic. God places his spirit within us to, to change us, to, to move us, to help us to be different. But he's not going to force that on us. God, God's not a forcing kind of God. God is an inviting kind of God. Right? Um, so if the spirit is, is trying to change us from in, from within, if he's, if he's nudging us and moving us, the, the question is how do we need to how do we cooperate with that right how do we how do we orient our lives in, in such a way as to as to cooperate with him right how do we how do we do that okay we know he's in there we know what he wants to do in us how do we how do we cooperate with that so this is a big conversation, and we're going to keep talking about this in the weeks to come, um, but I want to set the groundwork here today for for some of that. Um, and to do that, I want to look at one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of John. It is John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 11, so it's a little bit longer passage here, but I think it's really important, and I think there's some really, really, really important stuff in here that in our in all of our movings and and strivings to to try to be the church that God wants us to be I think we sometimes miss this and I think if we miss this everything else is flawed okay so John 15, 1 through 11 here's what it says Jesus is speaking and he says I am the true vine my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Now, I grew up, um, we used to have a grape arbor uh, in, in our yard when I was growing up in western Pennsylvania. And uh, every year we'd go back and we'd, we'd sort of study the, the grape arbor, which vines produced, which didn't. Um, there were some vines that never produced, and we just cut those off. We tr- we trim them way back. Um, the ones that did produce, we would we would prune prune back, and they they would produce more. Right. This is a if you're if you raise grapes, this is just sort of part of it. Uh, if you raise fruit trees, I've got an apple tree out here that I'm trying to rehabilitate, and uh, you do the same thing. You prune it back so that you get more fruit. Um, and some of those branches just got to go, right? Well, this is what Jesus is talking about, except he says, I am the vine, okay? My father is the gardener. Um, and he says, um, verse 4, he says, so here's the trick. He doesn't say, here's the trick, that's me. He says, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Isn't that a cool passage? All right, so there's, a, there's a couple of things in here that I really want us to, to, to notice, okay? The first is this word, abide. Abide. Um, which he uses nine times in this section. Okay, now if you're using a different translation, um, some some translations use the word remain. Um, so um, let's see, remain in me and I in you. You can you can legitimately translate the word there, the Greek word uh, remain. You can translate it as abide. I I sort of like the word abide. Um, and I like, I like the word abide simply because I'm old and the word resonates with me, all right? Um, abide sounds to me like abode, which is a place where you live. So, I, you know, I always think when I abide, this is about living in Jesus, right? Um, but the point of the passage is the same, whether it's, whether it's abide or remain, okay? Jesus is telling us all to stay close to him, stay connected to to him, dwell in him, live in him. He is the source of life, and for his life to flow through us, we must remain connected. Okay, there is a this is a very intimate life connection being discussed in this passage. Kingdom living is first and foremost relational. Okay, it's it's about a relationship. And and I, I say this kind of forcefully because I think in a lot of our in a lot of our churches for years we've been so focused on knowledge acquisition, right? Um, and and I, knowledge is a great thing, um, but but I think I think we have uh, I I know in a lot of the churches where I've where I've been. We've almost kind of got the idea, well, if you want to be more mature, you need to know more. You need to study more. Um, as though knowledge were the, the silver bullet that was going to just fix all problems and m- make everything right. If you don't have knowledge, you need some knowledge. But Christianity has always been about more than just knowledge. right? Paul will say, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up, right? This has always been relational. And I think, I think for some of us, I asked a question one time in a in a Bible class to a group of people, and I, I said, "How many of you, um, uh, you, you know, we we all we were all Christians, right? And we would all say that we've been saved. Um, but how many of you would, um. Would describe your relationship with God as intimate? Very few people raise their hands. Um, I think for a lot of us, being a good Christian is about following the rules. Um, Here is the commandments; we just need to keep them. And I am all for keeping commands. I am all for you know doing the things Jesus says. But those things have a purpose, and the purpose is to make us better people and make us better, um, not better, but make us, um, help us relate to God better, right? This has always been about relationship, and we can't forget that, right? And if, if, if you are one of those people who, you know you're a Christian, you know you're saved, But God is not like you you wouldn't describe your relationship with Him as intimate. I want to say you've got some work to do, okay? Um, God God wants a more intimate relationship with you. Um, God is a real person. He's not just somebody we study about in a book, right? He's real and he's alive and he's interacting in the world and he's interacting with you not everybody has experienced that or not everybody recognizes it okay so this this idea of of relationship of 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 being intimately tied to Jesus like it is huge okay um so, so there's this word abide in this passage, okay? It's, it's relational, it's, it's intimate, it's, it's a life connection that Jesus is talking about, and he says it's, it's the most important thing. Yeah, another thing that he talks about in this passage that I want to kind of tease out is he talks a lot about bearing fruit, okay? Um, the word fruit is used six times in this, in this passage, this first 11 verses, now, Jesus doesn't define what kind of fruit he's talking about here, but it must be related to his kingdom vision. So, so what could he be talking about in terms of fruit? Well, there's a couple of possibilities. He could be talking about the fruit of a changed life. Okay, um, Paul will talk about uh, in Galatians 5, uh, and, and this is connected to the Spirit too, so we need to pay attention to this, right? The fruit of the Spirit he'll say, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The law is not against such things, he'll say. Okay, so what is the Spirit trying to do in us? Produce some fruit. And what's that fruit look like? It looks like love. It looks like joy. It looks like Peace and patience, and kindness, and all those other things, right? So is, is that the kind of fruit Jesus is talking about? Maybe so. But there's also another kind of fruit. There is a, the fruit of, of replication, right? Uh, you, you, uh, um, you get an apple, and you pull out the seeds from the apple, and you plant them in the ground, and they grow more apples, right? Um, in kingdom speak, uh, the fruit of replication is inviting others into God's kingdom as, as participants in God's kingdom vision. Um, Jesus will say, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Okay, So there's that kind of fruit. But in Matthew 28, even there, remember, the, the, the fruit of replication, even in the midst of that, Jesus says, remember, I am with you always. Okay, so even there, there's, a, there's an, an intimate kind of connection thing. So, so there's the fruit of a changed life. There's the fruit of replication. So which one is Jesus talking about in uh, John 15? Well, I think both. I think both are in view, right? Um, we, we've we got to see, though, that this, this fruit that he's talking about is not produced by an act of will, okay? So John 15, verse 4, um, he says, Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. All right. So, we want this fruit. We want this love and joy and peace. We want to be more patient. Heavens, who doesn't want to be more patient? We we want to have more self-control. Who doesn't want that? Well, I'm just going to work really hard at trying to develop those things. That's not how this works. That is not how this works at all. Okay? You can you can you can get down the road a little ways just by grinding it out and working on it. But that's not the way Jesus talks about this here, okay? Um, God is the one who produces fruit in us, and Scripture's clear about that. Uh, Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 7, he'll say, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Okay? And, and in, in John 15 here, Jesus pictures fruit bearing as a natural outgrowth of abiding in him. John 15, 5, he says, The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Okay? If you remain in me and I in you, you're gonna bear fruit. It's going to happen. You're not gonna to have to work at it and grind on it and strain and right it's just go it is a natural byproduct of abiding in him. Right? You're you're frustrated because you're you're not the person you want to be? Lean into Jesus a little more. He will change you. It won't happen as fast as you want it to. <laughs> Some of us are impatient, which is why we need more patience, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, you, you know, you, you can... I, I'm going to go back to growing things. I started out talking about how I like to grow things. I've got these little tomato seeds going. Um, they're, they're about four or five inches tall now. Um, you put the seed in the ground, um, you, you got to make sure that the, that the soil, there's, there's, it's moist, right? So I can, I can do that. I can make sure there's moist soil. I can make sure that um, the soil is warm enough to allow those seeds to germinate, right? I, that's something I can control. But I cannot make that seed sprout. I, I cannot do that. I can I can maybe um, give them better growing conditions, but I cannot cause that thing to grow. I've been watching these tomato plants grow for about a month now, and I'm not doing anything except making sure that they have light, making sure they have water, making sure the growing conditions are optimal, right? But how are they growing? God's causing the growth, the biology that he's placed into the, into the world, the, right? I'm not doing that. If you're a farmer, you know how this works. You don't, you don't do that. You, you put the, the fertilizer down, you pray for rain, right? Because you can't even control the rain. Maybe you can irrigate somewhat. You can create the growing conditions somewhat, but you can't make things grow, the way things work in the natural world are the same way they work in the spiritual world. We cannot just make this happen, okay? Jesus makes it happen, and, the, and, and our job is simply to abide, to stay connected to him, to lean in closer and closer to him. His job is to bear fruit through us. God will empower it. Said another way, our our focus is intimacy because intimacy empowers ministry. Catch that? Intimacy empowers ministry. You want to be a better minister? You want to make a better difference in this world? Lean into God more, right? We have one job, folks. (laughs) You had one job. Uh, We have one job, just one. And that is intimacy. Work on your relationship with God. Stay closer to him. Lean in closer. right? God will do in that relationship what he wants to do. He will change you. He will, you know, like that's the place to stand. That's the place to camp out. So if we're going to create a a culture of Christlikeness, we need to learn to cleave to the Lord cleave how many of you have used that word in your day-to-day vocabulary recently there's your there's your challenge for the week find a way to incorporate the word cleave into normal conversation it'll be fun (laughs) excuse me gotta drink coffee so cleave uh work that into your conversation um your, your friends will love it. Your family will love it. <laughs> um, the word cleave is from a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is debak, Okay, uh, It is found in lots of places in the Old Testament. It is found, for instance, in the familiar passage in Genesis 2.24, where it says that a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with or bonds with or clings to or cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh, okay? So it's found found all over the place. One of the more interesting dimensions to this idea of cleaving is that it describes, you ready for this? It describes in the Bible how underwear fits to the body. Bet you didn't see that coming, did you? I kid you not, though. Those tidy whities um, they're cleaving to the body, right? Um so in Jeremiah 13 verse 11 the Lord says just as underwear clings to one's waist so I fastened the whole house of Israel and of Judah to me There you go underwear clinging to the body Now if you're using the NIV translation which overall is a pretty decent translation Uh, No translation is perfect, by the way. Just know that. Um, uh, But if you're using the NIV, you need to know that this is one of the places where the NIV gets it wrong, okay? Uh, The NIV uses the word belt here. Um, It says, for as a belt is bound around a man's waist. Um, Underwear is a better modern translation for the Hebrew word there, okay? Um, It is sometimes translated uh, loincloth, okay, which is not really a belt, okay? A loincloth is an undergarment, okay? But the point is the same, no matter what, all right? The point is that that is how closely God's people are to cleave to the Lord, Jeremiah says. We are, we are to cleave to the Lord, to be affixed to the Lord, to adhere to the Lord, to get connected to him, to learn from him, to rest in his love for us, to see how he operates. So we will will only be formed into Christ-likeness to the extent that we cleave to the Lord. Because again, our job is intimacy, cleaving. His job is to transform us. And again, transformation is not our work. It is his work that he does in us as we cling to him. He transforms us as we develop greater connection to him. John 15, you're you're in the vine. The vine is going to flow life to you and it will change you and it will bear fruit in you. Again, you have one job, folks. (laughs) One job. And because you cannot give what you do not have, we can only... We can only help others to be formed into Christ-likeness as we cleave to the Lord ourselves, as we listen to His words, as we commune with Him in prayer, as we become focused on Him, as, as we learn to follow Him, right? That, that is the only way we have anything to give anybody else. And to me, this this highlights the importance of being discipled ourselves by Spiritual fathers and mothers, right? Um, We have to remember the foundation of all education is emulation, not information, okay? The foundation of all education is emulation, not information. The foundational ingredient to our spiritual development is to be connected to God so that we can know God, so that we can emulate God, so that we can become like him. The goal of education is emulation. Victor Copan uh, wrote a book about the Apostle Paul as a as a spiritual director, in which he says, uh, "It is my contention that the total shape of the life of the spiritual director is a key factor, if not the key factor, in the success of spiritual direction." Effectiveness, he says, is not to be found primarily in technique, but in the character and lifestyle of the one providing the direction. In other words, you cannot give what you do not have. You you can't. If you are not a mature Christian, you cannot help anybody else become a mature Christian. If you don't have patience, you can't teach anybody about patience. Right? Right? Um, and the only way you get that, the only way you get maturity is by clinging tightly to the lord to to lean into him to to walk with him, to let him unfold the reality of himself in a in an ongoing walk with him, right um, It's like it's it's like um, my wife. My wife and I will later on this year. We will be married twenty six years. Yeah, last year was twenty five. Um, I love my wife to death. She's listening to this, so I'm getting I'm getting points here for saying this. Um, I I am still twenty six years into this. I'm still learning about her. I'm still learning who she is and what makes her tick and that that journey of discovery that we have um, been on in our uh, in our 26 years together almost I wouldn't trade that for anything right like you don't you don't get all this figured out on the fir- in the first year when you get married you don't know anything. <laughs> and i'm I'm still learning things about my wife that are precious, and she's learning things about me. Maybe some of them are precious, <laughs> maybe maybe some of them aren't. Um, but you, you know this this is way relationships work. They just work this way. Our relationship with god is is the same way. Relax, start walking with God, grow lean into him more. And let him, in the context of that relationship, as you and he walk this out together, he will reveal more of himself to you. And you, you, will, you will understand more of him. Uh, you will understand more about yourself, too. Okay? Um, so you cannot give um, what you do not have. Right? Right? Um, the, the, the Hebrew expression for this is the, is the idea of kokhmah, um, um, which is often translated by the English word wisdom, right? Um, the idea is that we, we find someone worthy of emulation who is a sage, who is wise, and we get connected to them and we learn from them. We, we emulate them, right? We ask them how we do things, Right? I've had a few people like that in my life over the years. They were my sages. Um, and whatever they said to do was almost always the right play. Um, Paul says in 1 corinthians eleven one imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow christ. that that takes some some chutzpah, right? Uh, that's a that's a Yiddish word for guts. <laughs> it takes some guts to be able to tell people. Just follow me. I know how to follow Jesus. That's what Paul did. And if you're mature, you can do that too. We we help people. We we say, man, I'm on this journey too, but I'm a little farther down the road. Walk with me. I'll I'll teach you what I know about following Jesus. Right? That's that's how this works. So if if you're on this journey, lean into God. Uh, Somebody else is not a substitute for God. But others that are on this journey can help you, right? So everything from here on out in the kingdom is about becoming better abiders, better cleavers, communicating with Jesus at a deeper deeper level, communing with him so that he, through his Holy Spirit within us, can change us growing in both our understanding and our experience of his love for us and letting our experience of his love transform the way we interact with him and with the world around us. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll uh, come back next week and the week after that and um, and ongoing till we hit episode 100 <laughs> sometime down the road. Um We'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast, as always. Um, If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or iHeartRadio, wherever you go. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll be back. And remember, as I always say, you really are greatly loved.